This is Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. Each week, I invite a different guest to share their personal experiences regarding gender and gender issues. When I use the word gender, I mean the range of social roles, personality traits, attitudes, behaviors, values, and relative power that society assigns to females, males, and other individuals. Gender is an identity that is learned. How we define gender changes over time and can vary within and across cultures. This podcast is recorded at my kitchen table and may contain sounds of life from my home and neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Episode 17. My guest today is Chris, who identifies as a hybrid third culture kid and prefers the pronouns he and them. Hello, Chris. Welcome to Your Own Voice. I am so pleased to have you here. Thank you for having me. This is a wonderful platform, and I'm excited to be here. Great, great. So, Chris, I'd like to start by asking, how do you identify? It's a bit of an unusual one. A hybrid third culture kid. Okay. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really view myself as male or female, because gender is more than just what's between your legs. It kind of encompasses how you've been brought up. What were the expectations placed on you and how you were taught to behave and act? So for about 26 years of my life, I was very much in the, or 22, very much in the female stage. And then I was in between. And now I'm in the male, but I don't really feel like male because so much of my life has been under this other umbrella. So I view myself more as a hybrid model, mix of both worlds. So Chris, what pronouns do you prefer? I prefer he and them. When did you first become aware of different gender roles? That's something that it's always I've always been aware of. And I remember when, when I was really young, maybe four or five, I have three male cousins. And one of them, two of them were playing and wrestling. And I went to join them. And my aunt was like, no, you're, not, you don't, you're a girl. You don't play rough. You don't go do that. And it was very quickly kind of embedded that there are certain things that you could do if you're a boy and certain things you could do if you're a girl. And you learn early on, it's not safe to challenge some of those. So you have to pick your battles. I very quickly decided I didn't want to wear dresses, which ended up in a lot of fights and screaming matches, especially for church. But I was very adamant, and that was one fight that I was willing to put up with. But other fights, not so much. Of kind of like you're expected to be seen and not heard and be quiet and be respectful and clean up after yourself and wear long hair and do this and like that and go shopping and all this stuff and never was me but sometimes it's just not worth the fight was there a particular moment that you talked to your parents or your family or somebody close to you when you said you know I'm not what everybody is trying to make me be or was it more of a an evolution kind of a gradual thing I realized early on when I was about six that I wasn't in the body I was supposed to be. Uh, I was in the bathtub with one of my cousins and he looked down. He's like, where's your penis? And I was like, it's going to grow. I knew it wasn't, but I didn't know what to say. Um, How do you explain that something you think you're supposed to have isn't there? And clearly there's no way you could suddenly just get it. Um, I didn't really know, though, that something could be done about it. So I just pushed it aside. And then when I was about... 14 or so, I first heard the word transgender, 
And this was right about the time the internet was becoming a thing. So immediately I went on Google or I don't even think Google was around. I just somehow searched the word and figured out what it was and spent a good portion of my life telling myself that it wasn't me. It's too extreme. You can't do that. That's unrealistic. And you're going to upset a lot of people and divide the family. And it's something, it's one of those fights that just wasn't worth fighting. I didn't have the resources I needed, I knew I needed to get an education. I know I needed to fulfill certain checkboxes in order to be able to give, my, give myself the best option to succeed. When you're a kid, you still need your family's protection. You still need your family's support. You can't rebel too much or you face consequences. Absolutely. What if I ended up on the streets? I don't know how to make a living. I, was, I lived a very sheltered and privileged life. I didn't know what it meant to be on the streets. I, I knew that much that I didn't know what it actually meant. So it's a lot of the little fights and a lot of the little, you can see parts of yourself every day just to make it through, to give yourself a better chance of survival later on and success, to eventually be able to thrive. So Chris, what are the issues of gender that you confront in the workplace? That, that's a great question. I don't think I confront that much. I live, I work in an environment that for the most part, I would say 10% of the workplace knows and they're okay with it. And it's not something I advertise, but you learn quickly on, if you make friends, friends have a harder time turning on other friends because of something they are. So the best way is kill them with kindness, essentially. And you learn that early. I mean, it's the same principle, the same kind of approach I took when I was in Moldova with the locals. I knew that if I straight out came out saying, hey, this is who I am, they would never accept that. But if you work every day and you put in the effort, eventually they see you for who you are. And just for people listening, you were in Moldova doing the Peace Corps. Yes, correct. I was there for about two years um, doing health education. And it was before I had started any of the transition. In fact, I even postponed going to Peace Corps for a year because I wanted to do the hormone and the legal change so when I went, I could go as a male, as Chris. Um, for personal reasons, that didn't happen. There were some family things I had to take care of. So I ended up going as Christina. And in my village, lived as Christina slash Chris for whoever we could convince to use that. And in the village, would kind of go between male and female, depending on who I was with. Wow. Yeah. That sounds really challenging. Yeah. Every moment was a calculation of if I make this decision, what is the likelihood is going to get me in trouble? Did you face any physical violence or bullying, be it overseas or in the United States because of this? Bullying more so and in the quote unquote developed countries, actually. So I was bullied a lot, but it was more throughout school. So middle school and high school. And because... When, you, when kids see someone they're not sure of, it's natural. And you see someone who's other than who you are and what outside of the box you're used to, you have a lot of questions and it might make you uncomfortable and then you immediately become defensive. So it's kind of the same approach of kill them with kindness and show them that it's okay and be polite to them, be kind to them. And when they try to be mean to you, ignore them and move on. What do you think is possible today given the current conversation around gender that wasn't possible even a few years ago. So much, so much yet at the same time, it feels like we're, it feels like as on the political world and the policy world, we're kind of stuck or moving back. But when you look at the under the underways, 
I went to a concert of performance last night to Try Guys, and one of them came out as gay and posted, made this beautiful video montage of coming out and what it's like, not only in his perspective, I think it was made to kind of encompass the whole LGBT movement, and the support for his like 10, 15 minutes performance during that. And it was very much about celebrating who he was, and he had just come out as gay. And the love felt in that auditorium, there was a moment where it felt directed to me and I kind of teared up a little bit. So you see these underlying waves in the general public of way more support to people coming out as LGBT and sharing who they are authentically. So while it might seem like on a federal and level we're a little lagging behind or going backwards, I don't think it's a long, it's not going to be here for very long. I think there's going to be a lot more progress once we kind of move beyond where we're at. We're just in a rough period for now. Chris, is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of what you think is different? Uh, yes, definitely. The youth now, they're unabashedly who they are and very authentic. And there's on Instagram, if you use the hashtags and follow transgender, there's just a variety of people who are showing who they really are and sharing their stories. And it's something that that wasn't possible when I... When I first started looking into hormones and trying to find resource on what it was like or what it would be like and how to go about it, that was in 2010-11, not even 10 years ago. And there was nothing. There was like two, maybe three people on YouTube sharing their experience. And now it's just thousands upon thousands. And you can find videos anywhere about the transition. You can find websites of information documenting this is how to go about it. This is the best way. The youth nowadays have changed the game, and they're just very who they are, and it's refreshing to see. If you show people who you are, and everybody was to come out and do that, they will accept you, because there's just so many of us. And it's not just LGBTQ, the alphabet soup, or gender not conforming, or asexual gender, whichever. Everybody has something. So just being able to come out and the youth are really doing that. They're being able, they're very vocal about what they're passionate about and who they are and who, how they want to be treated and seen. And that's the future. That's the way. And if we could all follow in their steps, that would be pretty dope. Do you have any life goals or dreams that you chose not to pursue? And if so, do you think gender played a role in any of your decisions? I don't want to say I didn't choose, choose to pursue them. There are definitely things that weren't worth the risk. So there are a lot of decisions that just didn't make the cut because everything that I did, every decision I made had to be taken into account of where would I be set up best for success. Where I went to grad school was in a state where I could, that would a state that would cover the top surgery that I would be able to legally change my name. It, it was the best option. Um, it wasn't where I wanted to go and it wasn't, my ideal situation. Uh, same with Peace Corps. When I joined the country I went to, not necessarily the top. I'm not saying it wasn't a good experience and it wasn't the right country, but it, me being transgender and being part of the LGBT community had to be taken into consideration. So if the goal was worth going after, I had to plan out how I was going to go after it in the best way. So it's goals with terms and conditions apply kind of deal. It's like risk mitigation. Absolutely. And that's what your life kind of becomes. How do I best mitigate this risk and what are the potential outcomes? It's a very harsh way of living intentionally. 
So it's not living intentionally in the best way for you to thrive, but for you to not drown. And that is something I see in a lot of people nowadays, it seems like. Everybody's struggling to make ends meet and to just be able to get through the day that a lot of us aren't thriving the way we should. You're not alone. Absolutely. And all everything we're saying is through our perspective, but there are these systems in place. And I do, I do want to believe that people are good because that's the only, sometimes that's the only way to kind of make it through. People want to do good. People want to be helpful. And I think a lot of these systematic barriers are invisible barriers. People on the other side don't see them. And that's part of why we need to be telling our story and telling our truth to say, hey, this is something we're experiencing. You might not see it, but this is how it's impacting us. So let's work together on trying to figure it out. And by changing these systems, we are challenging something that people hold very dear. It's tied to their identity. And that is a scary thing to deal with and a scary thing to do. And if I wasn't transgender, I don't know if I would understand what someone being transgender would go through. And Honestly, there are moments where I forget I'm transgender. I'm like, oh, wow, wait, what? I did that? I actually have changed genders. I finally got the world to see me the way I was. That's wild. A lot of it is giving myself, like the past few years, giving myself space to heal and kind of process my story and see, reevaluate what I was growing up, how I was made to believe certain things or how I viewed the world. And that takes time. And people who backlash, a lot of times they need that space too. Chris, I just wanted to shift a bit. You, a couple times earlier in the conversation, talked about going through a legal change. And I have not had anybody yet on the podcast who's talked about that. It's something I am unfamiliar with, and I'm guessing people listening might not be familiar with. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that process? Absolutely. So the legal change is the idea that you change your legal name and your gender marker for transgender people specifically. And it's... It's changing your name is not uncommon in our society. People change their last names, change their first names. We have artists who use stage names. It's not a foreign concept. Yet when you try to change your legal name, and I didn't even change a last name, just a first and middle, it becomes complicated and there's a lot of judgment sometimes. And that was one of the decisions I went, I went to school in Massachusetts because I looked up the legal system of how would it, how difficult is it to change your name? Can you do it? Like some states don't allow it at all. My birth certificate is in Louisiana and I won't be able to change that name unless I get bottom surgery as well. So even though I've managed to change my driver's license, my passport, my social security card, um, health insurance, I'm sure there's some form of ID I'm missing. Even though I've changed everything else, all the credit cards, everything, there's still one document I won't be able to change until I quote unquote, have these complete surgery and completely transition to male. So the legal change, there's a lot of obstacles you kind of face while you're going through that. Uh, It varies very much state by state on what you're allowed to do and how you're allowed to do it and how much does it cost. In some states, you need to get a lawyer, which can cost hundreds or thousands of dollars. Massachusetts very kindly allows if you're a student to waive the fee. Um, so thank you, Massachusetts. Keep doing your good work. Uh, they also have health insurance pay for cover part of top surgery. So again, props to Massachusetts because I have dual identity. I have dual citizenship. I also have legal documents in Greece and those legal documents are something I'm currently trying to fight to switch over. And that's another headache, 
but it's one of those invisible barriers that people don't see. They, when I changed my passport, I had to get it expedited because I was going to go home. I was going to go home to Greece to visit my goddaughter and my family, and I had to uh, switch, change out the passport. And I filled in the paperwork. I paid the fee to expedite it, and I called them three times to verify the form. And then they sent me three weeks later a letter saying you got the wrong form. You have to fill out this form, pay another fee. And it's just these little small obstacles that you have to constantly overcome and deal with in order to finally be seen the way you are. Because your identity, your ID cards, are you use them every day. And if it's different than what you look like or the name, like if it still said Christina and I was to go to a conservative bar or someplace where it might have caused risk, then that's that puts me in too much risk. And you live your life with this idea of how can I mitigate risk. Can you tell me about a time when you thought, I can't do something, or if I try to do this thing, that the consequences would be so great that it just simply wasn't worth trying? Coming out as trans for a very long time, that was, that was a good, from 2004 until 2010, six years, I would have six months out of the year, I would have a conversation with myself about whether it was worth it and do deep research into it, try to figure out how I would survive. Um, high school was very rough because of that to the point where I attempted to cut myself. I actually did once. Um, tried to figure out if I could run away financially, how would it make it work? It was only until college when I was close to the end of college where I started testing the waters about coming out and asked one of my friends, hypothetically, if I was, what would you do? The uh, hypothetical game that most people who have to come out with something play. Um, and her answer gave me the courage to eventually start coming out. Having grown up primarily expressing yourself as a female and now primarily expressing yourself as a male, I'm curious if you notice differences in the way that people treat you in everyday life or in particular situations. I'd love to hear about that. People, women are treated very differently in this world, especially in the U.S. than men. Uh, there are moments where I'll be in a meeting or I'll be talking with someone and start talking and everybody quiets down and looks at me. The first time that happened, it blew me away. I was like, wait, that people want to hear what I have to say? Because very often women are spoken over and they're dismissed before they even say anything and their quality... No one judges the quality of their thought, but rather what they say and other other things instead. Um, I also find that there's some habits I picked up, as a, like women are told a lot, smile more, be more polite, be kind. That when I initially started transitioning and kind of veering away from, I was criticized that I was being too aggressive. So then I had a fear that I was being too masculine or moving too much to the other side, and brought that back. But there are a lot of lines between the genders that are hard to, it's, it takes a lot of work to figure out where you fall within that. Because are you really a person who's going to be more aggressive and you're just trying to find who you are considering how most of your life you're taught to be passive and submissive? Or are you really someone who is passive and submissive and you don't need to change? Or maybe you just need to be a little bit more aggressive. And there's a lot of these things too of like, how do you navigate the dating scene as a trans person with the Me Too movement and offering women the space to feel comfortable to say no or feel comfortable to make have authority and make decisions about what's going on and do it in a way that gives 
that um, gives them that dignity too. And it's very hard to navigate those waters when I am being perceived as a man, but sometimes because of my experiences, it feels like I can't ask or do certain things because everybody sees me as, depending on the group, either a white guy or a person of color who is a guy too. And navigating those waters and figuring out when I like finding someone to date, do I want to be the pursuer? Do I want to be aggressive and ask people to go out? But then I also know being on the other side that sometimes you feel like you have to say yes. So do I want to create that environment too? And how do you go between that? And how do you communicate with other people while honoring who you were and those experiences as well? And it's very difficult to navigate those waters while having the rest of the world treat you differently too. So there's a lot of changes and I've only been on hormones for three years or so. So there's a lot of changes and I grew, I thankfully grew a beard really quickly, but you could hide behind the beard because no one's going to assume I'm a girl with a beard. Um, but then you end up like you're always assumed to be a guy and your past experiences. If you ever go into a woman only space, even though you want to express those past experiences you've had of being harassed or being cat, like I had someone come up to me when I was nine and I was with a family friend and he was like, good pick, good pick, essentially kind of insinuating. I was, I don't even know, but some sexual term or some sexual idea. So having that experience and being viewed that way and being viewed objectively still affects who I am today, but there's no place to really express that as a man because boys aren't really talked to that way. Look at what's going on within the church. We're finding out so many young boys were touched inappropriately and went through some horrific traumas, but they don't feel comfortable saying anything out. I was on Reddit the other day and saw a thread of this young gentleman explained his situation and asked, is this rape? They don't know either. And they're trying to be vulnerable, but most of their lives, they're told, be quiet, man up, toughen up, don't cry, men don't cry, men don't do this, men do that. There's a lot of things they need to break down on their side too. Both genders kind of have a lot of social expectations that need to be broken down in order for us to truly be who we need to be and to thrive and to feel whole and complete and have compassion towards each other. Is there some place in your life where you decided to push on anyway, even though gender expectations and gender roles said don't? I don't go out to hide that I'm trans. I do it in a, I come out to almost everybody I know, but I do it very selectively and I give them time to get used to who I am as a person first. So for the most part, everybody knows I'm trans. Everybody knows my, my past and they know what I've been through, or at least I will try to stand up and challenge certain things. I can't say I do it all the time, honestly, because sometimes it's just not worth the risk. And there are moments where I still get nervous wearing a sh- I have a shirt that says like, all trans people deserve health care, freedom, rights, etc. And I still get nervous walking around D.C. with that, even though D.C. is what 97% liberal. And you have tourists who are walking around with very iconic hats of the current administration, yet I feel scared to go out in a shirt that just says, we deserve human rights. Because that's kind of the climate we're made to believe. And in D.C. alone, there were two or three trans people of color who I don't know their names off the top of my head, and I really should, and I apologize. Um, but they were killed just in D.C. One right after one, one week after the other. So there's very much the climate of you have to be careful and you have to be cautious of who you talk to and who you say, because not a lot of states have protections for people who are transgender. 
Uh, a lot of states, there is no legal right. You can kick them out of their house. You can kick them out of their job. And with the current administration, they're rolling back even more. The health insurance is a huge issue now. They're being kicked out of the military. For They're being kicked out. They're trying to serve their country. The cost of transitioning has dramatically lowered, especially under military health care, because everything is dramatically cheaper in military health, like within the government. Yet they're being kicked out from serving their country because, what, the maintenance is too high? That's a ridiculous statement. If you're transitioning from, my transition from uh, female to male requires one shot a week of testosterone that like men everywhere get if their testosterone levels are low. That's not a high maintenance. And going the other way, going from man male to female, there are a couple more surgeries and I think they t- there's two pills they take. Again, maintenance is not that much. It's a, it's, a, it's a nonsense reason and it's just a reason to kind of bring about more more fear and more us versus them and to otherize the other people. So Chris, is there something that you would like regular people to start doing now to make a change around gender in the United States? Back, back in the day, I think in the 1940s, men wore pink and women wore blue because women was, uh, blue was viewed as a common color versus pink was way more energetic. And then we switched. So I want people to kind of challenge their ideas of why things are the way they are. Because most likely it was for some reason that happened that made sense at the time, but now it doesn't. And it's okay to outgrow ideas you had previously. We believed in Zeus and the gods on Olympus. And we believed that the sun was a chariot that was hovered around, like just pulled around this earth. It's okay to change your views and it's okay to do some research or just ask yourself, is this really that big of a deal kind of challenge your assumptions absolutely and that's how you grow and the moment you stop trying to challenge your assumptions and move forward you kind of enter this not thriving situation and you assume there's there's there is so much to the world to assume that you know it all or you know enough to be able to make an impact and that's something we should all strive to do to make an impact and to help each other and be there for each other what's it like being trans in the greater lgbt community that is a great question and one that I honestly haven't seen much of a difference. And I think that's because I didn't really occupy the LGBT space as a transgender person. Um, I was friends with other trans people. And before coming out as trans, I actually came out as a lesbian for a while and really delved into that community. That's a, they're a really nice community. I never really got into the gay community. If it does feel like there is a social hierarchy within the letters. So you do have the gay man, especially the white gay man. They're kind of on the top. And then when you go down, it's lesbians and then bisexual people. They're bisexual humans. I'm trying to use more human-centered language. They're viewed as, I, from what I've understood, they receive a lot of negative feedback of why can't you pick or you can't be both. As the letters come, that's the social hierarchy within, and transgender people are viewed at the bottom. You know, something I never picked up on because I purposely removed myself from that situation. I don't think I really felt comfortable there because I didn't outwardly look like I was gay. I didn't, I obviously was not lesbian, and the bisexual community is very minor. They don't really, they're not visible there. So there has been a push within the community, the overall community of creating spaces for bisexual individuals and transgender individuals and transgender humans, though it's a struggle. 
it's still very much a struggle. And it was something that was brought to my attention by someone who isn't within the LGBT community at all, a straight guy. And he was the one who said, I've heard from, he has a lot of gay friends. I've heard from a, a lot of them that transgender humans are not really looked at favorably within the community itself, which I don't quite understand the logic behind if you are a minority group, making another minority group feel even smaller, especially since they've gone through it. They know what it's like to be that minority group, to have to deal with all these hurdles and obstacles that other people don't have to deal with. And to just go ahead and make them smaller, for what reason? To try to make yourself feel bigger? That's is one of those things we need to rise above. And even within the transgender community, there's some people who are very gung-ho of like, I hate cisgender people. And for those who don't know, cisgender people are people who identify with the body they were born with. Which that also seems like a, an illogical thought. If someone hates me because of the gender or the way I present, me hating them back because of the same thing is not going to get us anywhere. And in order, we need to start rising above that. We need to start making a space for everybody because everybody has some sort of minority issue, whether they're disabled, whether they have a mental illness, whether they have dyslexia, ADHD or something. We're all human. We all have different varieties. We come in different colors and different flavors and everything. And that's okay. And it's gone. Our group, our variety has widened so much that we can't keep trying to check the boxes and say, we're diverse, we're diverse. We need to start working more on inclusiveness and belonging and creating spaces for people to be who they are and feel accepted, even if not everybody agrees. Because the point isn't to get everybody to agree, but to at least say, look, I don't like you're gay, but you can still chill here and you're fine here. You can be who you are. I just, I don't agree with it and I don't vibe with it, but whatever. Let's just work towards that. So Chris, is there anything else that you would like to add, either something from an earlier part of the conversation or something that we didn't talk about? We have the responsibility to make the world a better place. And that includes making it inclusive and safe for everybody. Because we're going to be facing a lot of problems and we are facing a lot of problems that we don't have the brain power at this point to solve. And we don't know where the next Einstein or Tesla is going to come from. And until we give people that space and we give them the right things they need to grow strong, whether it's nutrition, education, safety, a bed, books to read, unless we give people that space, we're not going to solve them. We're not, we're going to fall short. And part of what's going to help solve them is creativity and creativity takes, you need to be brave and you need to be strong and you need to be able to go against the current to be creative and to put your own spin on things. And that's where a lot of our big ideas have come from, from people going against the grain and saying, well, why are we doing this and why are we doing that? So challenging the norms and the expectations is one of the best things you could do for our society. And I want to give a shout out to Brene Brown because her work has been phenomenal in vulnerability and creativity and being courageous and being brave because that's the road we need to go down. We need it's in our best interest to make sure everybody can thrive in the world we want to create. The, every time we try to make someone conform to our idea of who they should be, that is us as a society losing out on some ideas they might have down the road that we would have never had. Um, so I think the bravest and often the hardest thing someone can do is to accept someone unconditionally and let them be them. Whether that means putting on a tutu or going and shaving half their head, their hair, or just going to another country and living out of a hut for two years. Who knows? But 
that's their journey and you need to let people on their journey let whatever be be because who knows what ideas are going to come from there and what solutions are going to come and how it's going to help us navigate the future that we don't know chris thank you so much it has just been an honor talking with you and i just am so glad that you came over today thank you very much it's been an honor to be here and thank you again for having the space there aren't a lot of platforms out there for people who are in a minority group and have experienced being dismissed to really share So I really appreciate what you're doing here, and thank you. You've been listening to Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender experience and perspective. Your Own Voice is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno, and is registered with ProtectRight, music by Kevin McLeod. I see each conversation as an adventure, and I love being surprised by where we go. If you found you had any questions during the conversation, I'd really like to know. You can submit questions on the website, yourownvoice.org slash contact. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Mm-hmm.